Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. We also want to let you know about our Vanguard Collective School of Supernatural Ministry launching this fall. For more information, head to vcssm.com, or for more resources like this, head to trptampa.com. We've been in this series called The Full Gospel. I'm going to land the plane today on The Full Gospel. Say, oh, oh, I know. This is what, week six? Yeah, it's a long series. You've, you've endured to the end. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. And so <laughs> we're here. Here we are, okay? And I just wanted to kind of tie a bow on it and show you how the full gospel in its essence actually proves the resurrected one. It proves the resurrected Christ. That's what this whole thing is about. All right? I'd love to break it to you. The gospel is about the resurrection. I even said um, earlier this year on Palm Sunday that Jesus was not heading to his death. Jesus was heading to his resurrection on Palm Sunday when he went into, he had his triumphant entry and all of that. Jesus always knew he was going to raise from the dead. He said it every single time he mentioned, let me check, Rolodex. I'll just say almost every single time just to be safe. I think it's every time. In the Gospels, when he mentioned that he's going to be crucified, he said, and I will be raised three days later. And I will be raised. And I will be raised. The whole point is the resurrection. And I'm going to prove that to you out of 1 Corinthians today. But just to tie a bow on it, I want to read you the anchor verse for this because Paul gave us the standard. He gave us the what it is required to be fulfilling the ministry of the gospel of Christ, okay? There's four things. Help me. If you've been here all three, all five weeks, you should know. The four things you need are what? Word, deed, come on, signs, wonders, all by the what? By the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Come on. I love it. That's teacher Caleb gets really happy when you remember stuff. And it's, it helps that good teachers repeat themselves, you know. It helps that good teachers repeat themselves. Yeah, that's a bad joke. I do it all the time. It's, I laugh inside or whatever. All right. But I'm going to read it again in a new translation, the Passion Translation, Romans 15, 17 through 19. Listen to this. This is Paul saying, Now then it is through my union with Jesus Christ that I enjoy an enthusiasm and confidence in my ministry for God. Just so you know, that word enthusiasm, when it was entered into the English language, it had its original denotative meaning was to be filled with God. Entheos. Theology, theos, within. Entheos, enthusiasm. So when you're not enthusiastic, but you have the whole fullness of God within you, you're deceived. (laughs) Hallelujah. Here's what I mean by that. This should encourage you, that you always have the right to be enthusiastic. Because he's never going to leave you or forsake you. People say, well, you know. You know, it's not good to fake it. I don't believe in faking it until you make it. But it is good to agree with the word of God. Like, how are you doing? My life is terrible right now, but praise God, I carry the whole fullness of Jesus Christ within me. Come on, and I can put a smile on my face because that I can agree with a higher reality that I'm filled with the whole fullness of God. And that makes me enthusiastic. You're enthusiastic whether you believe it or not, if the Holy Spirit is in you. So let's get real. Yeah. A few of you are getting real right now. It's good. 
None of that's in my notes. Somebody needed to hear that. Hallelujah. I enjoy an enthusiasm and confidence in my ministry for God. And I will not be presumptuous to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. For many non-Jewish people are coming into faith's obedience by the power of the Spirit of God, which is displayed through mighty signs and amazing wonders, both in word and deed. Starting from Jerusalem, I went from place to place. This is the Apostle Paul, okay? As far as the distant Roman province of Elycrium, fully preaching the wonderful message of Christ. Now here it is. He's fully preaching the wonderful message of Christ. That word Christ is present tense on purpose. You guys know that Christ... I even, I put a Facebook post up recently, and I said Jesus was not something, and I had to go correct it. I was like, Jesus is not something. Like, if you put Jesus in the past tense, you're not preaching the wonderful message of Christ, because the wonderful message of Christ is that he's alive right now. He's living, ruling, and active right now, seated at the right hand of God in his body right now. Yes, there's a man in heaven. There's a man on the throne. There's a human on the throne. Flesh and bone is on the throne with holes in his hands. He's alive. When he says the wonderful message of Christ, he's talking about fully preaching the message of Christ's resurrection. Are you following me? Resurrection is the point. Say resurrection is the point. Okay, everybody all together this time. Resurrection is the point. Yeah, that's good. So without word, this is what I take from that moment there and what I'm going to get into today. Without word, deeds, signs, and wonders, we will not prove the resurrection of Christ. We will not prove that it's true. Because it's one thing to say he's alive. It's another thing to prove it. You can say it all day. He's alive, he's alive, he's alive. But if there's no proof of it, who cares? If it doesn't help anybody, who cares? It's just lip service. You following me? This is the full gospel. And Paul explained this, all right? In 1 Corinthians 15, I uh, am going to read, hopefully, the entire chapter to you right now. I'm going to read the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 15. It has like 56 verses, 58 verses, and we're going to read it. I believe in the public reading of Scripture. I'm going to prove it to you. I do. <laughs> it's good because he, I mean, I'm going to do something called read preaching. I like this. We're read and explain, read and preach, read, preach. So just hang on tight. We'll have everything on the screens for you. All right. But before we go there, I just want to put it in perspective. All right. Paul is referring to his time as a minister of the gospel and in Corinth and all of that. And so if you read the book of Acts, it's kind of like another, it's just telling the story of all these times that he went everywhere and and Peter and all that. Okay. In the book of Acts, I read the whole book of Acts um, on my silent retreat because I had a lot of time. You know, I did a 48 hours in silence. So, so, you know, I'm going to read this book, whole book of Acts. I read it. And it took me a little bit because I read it slowly. But I noticed something seemingly for the first time. Every time they preached the gospel, they mentioned the resurrection. Every time. And I know maybe you're like, well, that, duh, Caleb, maybe you know this. Maybe this is just for me. But I was like, oh, wow. The gospel is the resurrection. The resurrection is the gospel. And it just clicked in my mind that, like, when we preach the gospel, if we pre- preach and prove the gospel means we're ex- displaying and explaining resurrection life. They never went through a town and didn't mention that he's alive. They said, he's alive. We've seen him. He's alive. And so this is one of those times he's talking about that, okay? He had done that in Corinth. He had done that. And so just a little bit of cultural context, the people of Corinth were uh, in this 
pressure cooker with some other leaders who are saying the resurrection isn't a thing, that that's the supernatural thing of a resurrection isn't important and it's not even possible, okay? So there was this lie going on in Corinth that resurrection life is not, it's not real. It's just a fable. It's just fantasy. That, and today, I will tell you, let me just tell you, all right, it's called progressivism. It doesn't really progress. It's not real progress, but it's called progressivism. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> don't get distracted. That lie is still alive in the church, that the story of the resurrection doesn't have to be true to give you truth. That's very real. That's very real. I can take you to some live streams and show you, okay? That the story of the resurrection doesn't have to be factual in order to be true, to release truth to you. He's alive, y'all. He became a man, lived a perfect life, died a horrible death, the death that you and I should have died. Went into the grave, rose again, and then ascended to the right hand of the Father in his earthly body, in his glorified earthly body. That's the truth, and it's factual. It's a historical event. That's my line in the sand, fighting off progressivism. It's good. And this moment in 1 Corinthians 15 is Paul addressing that lie. Are you following me? You okay? So everybody take a deep breath. We're going to read a whole chapter of the Bible. <sighs> my church growing up, this is all we did. They read a whole, they preached almost a whole chapter or most of a chapter of a, the Bible every Sunday. That's just my whatever. So sorry. I ain't mad about it. Here we go. Dear friends, he says, let me give you clearly the heart of the gospel. Say the heart of the gospel. That I've preached to you. He's referring to what already, he already said to them. The good news that you have heartily received and on which you stand. For it is through the revelation of the gospel that you're being saved. The word revelation means unveiling. It's through seeing the truth of the gospel that you're saved. Are you following me? If you fasten your life firmly to the message I've taught you, unless you have believed in vain. For I have shared with you what I have received and what is of utmost importance. The Messiah died for our sins, fulfilling the prophecies of the scriptures. He was buried in a tomb and was raised from the dead after three days, as foretold in the scriptures. Then he appeared, say he appeared, to Peter the rock and to the 12 disciples. He also appeared, say appeared, to more than 500 of his followers at the same time. Most of whom are still alive as I write this, though a few have passed away. Then he appeared, say he appeared, to Jacob and to all the apostles. Last of all, he appeared, say he appeared, in front of me like one born prematurely ripped from the womb. That's the actual text. That's what Paul wrote. Yes. You can look it up. Amplified Classic, which is a, a direct equivalent. This is a dynamic equivalent. Oh, sorry. I'm getting into vanguard mode. I'm getting into teacher Bible school mode. I don't have time to explain that. But in the Amplified Classic, wow, which is falling right now. This is my Amplified Classic. I'm going to bring that up here. I'm sorry, little man. <laughs> my bad. I, I love my Bibles. I do. Anyway, um, it says that it is the, the uh, being born prematurely, not fully formed in the womb and being born early. That's the language he used, Okay. Your, your version might say one is who is untimely born, right? Born in an untimely manner. All right, going on here. He says, yes, I am the most insignificant of all the apostles, unworthy to be even called an apostle because I hunted down believers and persecuted God's church. But God's amazing grace has made me who I am. 
See, this is true humility right here. Understanding your history but not being dictated by it, not being ruled by it. He says, it's by the amazing grace of God that I am who I am. It has made me who I am. And his grace was not fruitless. In fact, I worked harder than all the rest. Did you hear that? See, most people would be like, I'm not worthy to be called by God. I'm a wretch. But he says, I worked harder than all the rest. Listen, he had a good self-awareness. He, had a, he was properly assessing himself. It even says in the scriptures, no one should think of themselves more highly than they ought to. Meaning there's a highly, you're supposed to think of yourself. Are you following? Okay. Yep. Help us, Holy Ghost. I worked harder than all the rest, yet not in my own strength, but God's, for his empowering grace is poured out upon me. Right? So this is what we ha all have taught you. And whether it was through me or someone else, you have now believed the gospel. The message we preach is Christ. Well, the message we preach is present tense Christ. Right? Who has been raised from the dead. So how could any of you possibly say there is no resurrection of the dead? Again, he's addressing this lie in the church. For the, if there is no such thing as a resurrection from the dead, then not even Jesus Christ, not even Christ, has been raised. Right? Two plus two equals four. And if Christ has not been raised, all of our preaching has been for nothing. And your faith is useless. If the supernatural event of Jesus Christ raising from the dead is not a fact, then your faith is useless. I don't even know how we can get there, but we are. It's not us. The capital C church. I'm talking about the church. You know, like, you should care for the capital C church. You should pray for the capital C church. Like, it's not our holy huddle and theirs over there. Like, that's our body. There are parts of our, my body that believes the resurrection is not a fact. You should feel that. Are you with me? This should, this should send us into intercession. This should send us into absolutely declaring the truth of God's word over those regions and people. Amen? Amen. Your faith is useless. Moreover, if the dead are not raised, that would mean that we are false witnesses who are misrepresenting God. Because he's saying we saw him raised. He's saying you're calling us liars. You call the Apostle Paul a liar when you say the resurrection is not a fact. Line in the sand. And that would mean we have preached a lie, stating that God raised him from the dead, if in, if in reality he didn't. If the dead aren't raised, that would mean that Christ has not been raised up either. He's being emphatic. He's repeating himself. And if Christ is not alive, you are still lost in your sins, and your faith is a fantasy. If Christ is not alive, you are still lost in your sins, and your faith is a fantasy. You know what that means? Because Christ is alive, you're no longer lost in your sins. That was a really good word right there. Because Christ is alive, because the resurrection is true, you are not lost in your sins any longer. I know you might believe something different. You're wrong. I love you. Let me tell you, you're wrong. This is right. It's not my opinion. I'll tell you when I'm giving you my opinion. I'll say, this is Caleb's opinion. I will tell you. I do it many times. This is not one of those times, okay? I'm just reading the Bible, all right? It would also mean that those believers in Christ who have passed away have simply perished. If the only benefit of our hope in Christ is limited to this life on earth, we deserve to be pitied more than all others. 
But the truth is, Christ is risen from the dead as the first fruit of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died. For since death came through a man, Adam, it is fitting that the resurrection of the dead has also come through a man, Christ. Even as all who are in Adam die, so also all who are in Christ will be made alive. This is good news. But each in its proper order. Christ the firstfruits, then those who belong to Christ in his presence. Then the final stage of completion comes. Did you hear that? Did you hear what that just said? I'm going to read it again. It said, each in its proper order. Christ the firstfruits, then those who belong to Christ in his presence. Then the final stage of completion comes. When he will bring to an end every ruler, every rule, other rulership, authority, and power, and he will hand over his kingdom to Father God. Okay. So one of those... He's the first fruits. He's already raised. And then those who belong to Christ in his presence, that's you and me. You know, you've been, when you say yes to Jesus, you've been co-raised with him. It already happened. And then the final stage will come. So we're in that in-between there. You following me? Here's, here's why I say that. Because a lot of people are waiting for resurrection power for when the final stage comes. For the resurrection day. For the final day. The judgment day. Right? It's for now. You've been raised to walk in newness of life, Romans 6 something says. It's in the first 10 verses, all right? You've been raised to walk in newness of life in heaven? That doesn't make any sense because you have been raised. Past tense, you have been raised to walk in newness of life right now. Amen. Yeah. Until then, he is destined to reign as king until all hostility has been subdued and placed under his feet. You should be, like, getting, like, life goals right now, all right? You should be getting, like, your 5- and 10-year, 25-year goals right there, all right? <laughs> it says, until all hostility has been subdued and placed under his feet. You're supposed to subdue hostility and place it under the feet, the feet of Christ. Who else is going to do it? Are you following me? This is why you need to prove the resurrection. This is why you need resurrection power, so that you are empowered to place all hostility under his feet, all right? And when we don't see a complete, all the hostility placed on his feet, we take responsibility. All right, this might be a side note. I don't know. Maybe not. Let's see. Checking the brakes. Holy Ghost. Hold on. Really, I want to say what you need to hear. I don't want to say what I want to say. Yeah, I'm going to say half of it. So I posted on Facebook. But if you're going to take authority over a storm, you better take responsibility when that storm hits somebody. That's why we're a drop-off point for Bellevue Ministry. That's why we're raising these relief efforts, and we're going to do more. Are you with me? I, I'm serious. I, we were commanding it to die. We did it last week. We commanded Dorian to die. It didn't. Get over it. It didn't. Don't spiritualize and try to sidestep the issue and say, well, you know, I've seen, oof, Ooh, Caleb, calm down. I've seen, <laughs> I'm getting heated. Like, you might not see it, but I'm getting heated. I've seen graphics made that the hand of God protected Florida and it went away, and that hurts my heart. So the hand of God's not protecting the Bahamas? Like, what is that? That's not okay. We commanded it to die. It didn't. I'm okay with that. Are you okay? You okay with self-awareness? Come on, forward progress requires self-awareness. It requires present tense awareness. This is where we're at as the church. It turned. It shifted. People were praying for that. That's fine. But it didn't shift in time to miss the Bahamas. So we're going to take responsibility because we are those who took authority. Are you following me? Okay. So if you're going to take authority, you better take responsibility. Because we're called to put all hostility 
into submission to Christ, including hurricanes. They're pretty hostile, right? Have you ever been in one? It's a hostile environment. Yeah. And the last enemy going on, just moving on, to be subdued and eliminated is death itself. For the Father has placed all things in subjection under the feet of Christ. Yet when it says all things, it is understood that the Father does not include himself, for he is the one who placed all things in subjection to Christ. However, when everything is subdued and in submission to him, then the Son himself will be subject to the Father who put all things under his feet. That This is so that Father God will be everything and everyone. If there is no resurrection... This is where it gets really weird. Are you ready for some weird in your Bible that we can't just white out, even though we don't understand? You okay? If there is no resurrection, what do these people think they're doing when they're baptized for the dead? If the dead aren't raised, why be baptized for them? What? What is that? Listen, Paul is neither con uh, condemning the practice or condoning the practice. He's just using the practice as an as an explanation, all right? I don't know what that is. Most scholars don't know what that is. Any scholar worth their salt will say, we don't have any historical context for that. It's the hardest verse in the New Testament to translate. We don't know. Are you okay? No, you don't look okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Apparently, they were baptizing people on behalf of those who had already died, hoping it would bring them salvation. Uh, weird. I don't know. That's strange to me. Obviously not just me. Okay. But he's just using it. He's saying, if the dead aren't raised, why are you doing that? Apparently they were doing that. And he's like, you're not even, you don't even make logical sense over there, guys. Are you okay? Can we keep going? All right. And why would we be risking our lives every day? My brothers and sisters, I continually face death. That is what's in most scriptures as I die every day. And this, my friends and family, is the context for which people say we have to die to our flesh every day. Does that make any sense to you now that I've read the chapter? No. He's not talking about dying to yourself. He's talking about being persecuted for preaching the resurrection. Why? It goes on. It'll prove it to you. The scripture will prove itself to you. Why would we be risking our lives every day? My brothers and sisters, I continually face death or I die every day. This is as sure as my boasting of you and our co-union together in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gives me confidence to share my experiences with you. Tell me, why did I fight wild beasts in Ephesus if my hope is in this life only? What was the point of that? If the dead do not rise, then let's party all night for tomorrow we die. Eat and drink for tomorrow we die, right? You've heard that. That's, it comes from the Bible, whether you knew that. So stop fooling yourself. Evil companions will corrupt good morals and character. Who are the evil companions? Come on. Those preaching that the resurrection is not factual. There will be a form of godliness, but they'll deny its power. Avoid such men. Are you putting this together? The supernatural is not for today. <laughs> Come back to your right senses and awaken to what is right. He's saying, don't be a stupid. Don't be a stupid. Why are you being ignorant, right? He's saying, come back to your senses and awaken to what is right. Repent from your sinful ways. What are, what are the sinful ways? Not believing that there is no resurrection, denying the resurrected Christ is a sinful way. See, people twist this stuff and say, see, you mentioned sin. It's talking about yourself. No. All right. Yep, it's just for me. I'm preaching to myself. For some have no knowledge of God's wonderful love. This is, this is tough, what he's about to say. You should be ashamed that you make me write this way to you. 
That's how serious this is. He came and said, he's alive. We've seen him. I've seen him. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. And now he's having to reiterate it. Like, guys, you should be ashamed of the fact that I'm having to prove to you again that he's alive. Yeah. That's the closest thing to shame on you from the Bible. All right? Tough. Tough love right there. We want shame off of you, and so does Paul. Paul wants shame off of you. All right? And he's saying, this is serious stuff right here. You should be ashamed. I have to write to you this way. I can almost hear someone saying, how can the dead come back to life? What kind of body will they have when they're resurrected? See, they're making up arguments, logical arguments, okay, that make the truth not make sense. Presenting a logical argument that unravels the truth. There's a lot of that going on. Mm -hmm. Seemingly logical arguments. Even the, the, is it Proverbs that says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it always ends in death. Just because it seems right doesn't mean it ends in life, all right? Okay, it's good. Foolish man. This is a big deal, guys. I'm, I'm using this passage right now. I'm using this microphone right now to try and guard your hearts because there is a, a, a logic, truth, factual attack on the supernatural there in the church, in the church, I've been preaching it for five, six weeks now. The full gospel requires power, supernatural signs and wonders. It does. It requires it. If you've been here and you're not convinced of that, I don't know what else to tell you, all right? I just don't know what to say. But this is a real attack in the church, that we don't need that. All we need is lights, camera, action, compelling things, Corvettes driven into the arena, entertainment, compelling arguments. So that people confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord. And I proved it last week. You can't reveal the Father without the power of God. So if we are preaching devoid of the power, we're going to very quickly end up in a, a situation where we say, you know what? Those stories in the Bible, the miracles, they didn't factually happen like that. But they're stories of truth that reveal the truth of God and the character of God to you. That's called progressive Christianity. Okay? It's everywhere. Trying to help you. What kind of body will they have when they are resurrected? Foolish man. Fool. He says, you fool. Because <laughs> I need to, like, lighten it up in here. Can you hear Paul just be like, you, you ignorant. You fool. Come on. Don't you know? He said, "How I can almost hear someone saying, so he's talking to a fictitious character. That's why he's being so mean. How about that? All right. You fool. Foolish man. Don't you know that what you sow in the ground doesn't germinate until it dies? And what you sow is not the body that will come into being, but the bare seed. And it's hard to tell whether it's wheat or some other seed. But when it dies, God gives it a new form, a body to fulfill his purpose. And he sees to it that each seed gets a new body of its own and becomes the plant he designed it to be. All flesh is not identical. Animals have one flesh. Human beings have another. Birds have their distinct flesh and fish another. In the same way, there are earthly bodies and heavenly bodies. There is a splendor of the celestial body and a different one for the earthly. There is the radiance of the sun and the different radiance of the, for the moon and the, for the stars. Even the stars differ in their shining. And that's how it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in decay but will raise, be raised in immortality. It is sown in humiliation but will be raised in glorification. It is sown in weakness, but will be raised in power. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. For it is written, the first man, Adam, say first man, became a living soul. The last Adam, say last Adam, 
became the life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual did not come first. The natural precedes the spiritual. The first man was from the dust of the earth. This is so important. Listen. The first man was from the dust of the earth. The second man is the Lord Jehovah from the realm of heaven. The first one made from the dust has a race of people just like him who are also made from the dust. The one sent from heaven has a race of heavenly people who are just like him. Present tense. You want two or three witnesses? Fine. First John 4, 17. As he is, so also are we in this world. As he is. All right, Romans 8, 29. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. And he predestined to be made in the image of his son. Your destiny is to look like Jesus. Right now. Like, not in heaven, right now. Okay. He goes on. Once we carried the likeness of the man of, the, of dust. Whoa. Once we carried, past tense language, the likeness of the man of dust. But now let us carry the likeness of the man of heaven. That means it's possible. You can carry the likeness of Jesus right now. Hallelujah, that's good news. <laughs> now I tell you this, my brothers and sisters, flesh and blood are not able to inherit God's kingdom realm, and neither will that which is decaying be also or be able to inherit what is incorruptible. Listen, and I will tell you a divine mystery. Not all of us will die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in an instant. Now he's talking about the day. The final stage. You follow me? Yes? It will happen in an instant, in the twinkling of his eye. For when the last trumpet is sounded, the dead will come back to life. We will be indestructible, and we will be transformed. For we will discard our mortal clothes and slip into a body that is imperishable. Now, you need to read this with the lens of what happened to Jesus. Do you remember? He raised from the dead and appeared and had an actual body, and he ate and drank with them. And he said, touch me. I'm real. And he walked through the wall after that. Okay, people like see, you see yourself with wings and angels and things like that. No, you, Jesus, just like Jesus was raised, he's the first fruit of many brethren. Are you following me? Just like he was raised with a physical body that was transformed and imperishable, you and I also. He lost, he was beaten beyond recognition, guys. And then they recognized him as, as the Rabboni, as Jesus, right? That means all of his scars, everything was healed. He kept the, the, the holes in his hands and then nail, the nail marking in his feet, which is the only thing man-made in heaven, by the way. The holes in his hand, the holes in his feet, that's the only man-made thing in heaven. Yeah. And he, you and I need to read this as that is a prophetic picture of what you and I are going to have. Are you following me? Yes? I know, it's challenging. The Bible messes with all our theology. It's fun. <laughs> we will discard our mortal clothes and slip into a body that is imperishable what is mortal now will be exchanged for immortality and that when that which is mortal puts on immortality and what now decays is exchanged for what will never decay then the scripture will be fulfilled when it says death is swallowed up by a triumphant victory so death tell me where is your victory tell me death where is your sting it is sin that gives death its sting and the law that gives sin its power. Listen to the implication here. It's sin that gives death, death its sting and the law that gives death, sin its power. That means you're not under the law anymore. Sin has no power over you. This is emphatic, guys. I don't know how we've missed it. I don't mind repeating myself, you know. It's okay. 
But we thank God for giving us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So now, beloved ones, stand firm, stable, and enduring. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence. We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord. Check this, check this with me. Come on. I hope you're not bored. I'm sorry. Maybe this is a little too much scripture for you. But in every serving, or every season, we excel. He's talking about the now season and this season of perishable bodies and that season of imperishable bodies. Are you following? In every season, we excel by serving the Lord because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. Amen. That's really good stuff. Here's the deal. We need to just leave our unbelief in our chairs today. You've been resurrected. You're a resurrected one. You're a resurrected one. And you're going to be resurrected. That's the truth. I hope the lights come on. We need to get there. Listen, resurrection power is sitting in your chair. Let me make it practical for you. The next time you feel tempted to do something sinful, use your resurrection power. Next time you feel powerless, declare your resurrection power. Next time you're in a horrible situation, agree with the resurrection power of Christ. I'm talking about physical bodies. I'm talking about emotional trauma. I'm talking about any problem in your life can be solved by agreeing with the truth. He's alive. He's alive. And you get to release his life on the earth. You're a dispenser of the resurrection life of Jesus. Did you know that? You're supposed to dispense it on the earth. Anywhere you see death, anywhere you see decay, in your body or around you, you actually have the responsibility, not just the ability, the responsibility. You have the ability to respond with resurrection power. You need to take responsibility. When we say, oh, I just, you know, I received Jesus and one day I'm going to heaven, that shirks our responsibility on the earth. When you pray, Lord Jesus, just get me out of here. I hope it's trumpet time. Any day, you know, beam me up, Scotty. When you pray that stuff, like, Lord, rescue me from this earth, you're shirking your responsibility. What if you're supposed to be one who raises up and reveals the resurrected power of Christ in your family, in your workplace, in your life? Come on, that's what I'm telling you. This is what happens. This is what's supposed to happen to you. And if you think it's just for the super apostles and the people like that, Paul said, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. I'm not even worthy. I persecuted the church, and I'm raising the dead and preaching with signs and wonders. That's the point. He said, you think you're unworthy? He killed Christians, and God used him for that. So you think your sin is going to stop God from using you? Come on. Come on. That's what happens. We go, oh, I'm, I, I, I disobey the Lord. I can't, I, can't, I can't move in power. I'm putting it in words, but that is how we act. That's how we act. It's unbelief in the resurrected one that lives inside of you. Resurrected, resurrection literally means to stand up again. Christ wants to stand up again inside of you. All right? He wants to stand up inside of you. This is not just for, it's, it's for boldness. It's for confidence. It's for power. Have I told you a story about um, in Turkey? Not schools, people. Have I told it here in Turkey where I was in the Grand Bazaar? The boldness? I might have. I'm going to tell it again. Here it is. You just need to hear it. That's fine. I, I, all I did was put the chapter in my 
notes and trusted the Lord to point me in the direction I should go. You know what I mean? So I don't have any notes. That's just the way we're doing it today. Yeah. Did you just get nervous or have you been nervous? I just felt nerves. I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell if it just happened or I just became aware of how nervous you've been this whole time. I don't know. Anyway, one time I was uh, in the Grand Bazaar in Turkey and I was being a little bit naive and ignorant of the culture. I've since found out that Turkey is uh, very hostile towards Christians. Uh, I found out in this story, in this time. All right, it was a shopping day. We, it was our last day of the trip. We, were, we weren't doing any missions that day. It was just the day before we flew out. We're flying out that night. So we had some free time. So me and a couple people went to the Grand Bazaar. And I'm wearing, uh, I'm, I didn't even realize that this scarf had it. I was, look at me real quick. I was wearing a scarf with crosses on it around my head. I just, I promise you I wasn't trying to be anything. I was just ignorant, all right? And I had a shirt, a black shirt with a big white cross on it that says Anastasis. It was the name of a band. It's a band t-shirt. And Anastasis in Greek means resurrection, okay? And if you don't know, this is like the sticking point with, with Muslims. Like, they believe Jesus is a healer, a prophet, but he did not raise from the dead. And it's written in Greek, so, like, they don't even have to read English as long as they can. They know that word, all right? That's what I'm telling you, all right? And I'm just walking around shopping. Oh, that's cool. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, it's just total Gooberville. Like, like, do not create a stumbling block of offense. I was a walking stumbling block of offense, okay? I was. Anyway, this guy walks up to me, short little guy, right this tall. And he comes right up to me, and he goes, you look like him. And I'm like, what did you just say to me? And he repeated himself, you look like him. I'm like, uh, okay, wow, what is happening right now? You know, like you're thinking a million miles a minute. And then he says it again. I'm like, I start tracking. I'm like, oh, he means Jesus, but he doesn't want to say it. I'm like, like Who? What, who do you mean? I start playing along with him, you know. I'm just shopping. I'm in a good mood. I'm just walking around, you know what I mean, drinking some, I don't know what it was, his juice that somebody squeezed off the side of the street. It was awesome. It was good. On the side in a cart, they just went, I don't even know what the fruit was. I couldn't recognize it, but I drank it. It was really good. Anyway, I'm alive. It's okay. Resurrection power. They will drink deadly poison and it will not harm them. I claim that all the time. Mark 16. Anyway, like when I'm drinking my coffee, I claim that. So there's too much sugar in there. Deadly poison. So I'm like, who? Who do you mean? He's like, hell, you know, you know. I'm like, no, who? He's like, I do not want to say. I do not want to say. I'm like, come on, tell me who. He's like, I do not want to say. And I'm playing with him. And I go, like, Jesus? <laughs> and he's like, yes, 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 yes. But listen. And then I didn't know it, but this is like the best evangelist in Turkey for the, for the Muslim faith. This dude, hardcore, goes into conversion mode. And he wants to convert me. I mean, he's going for it, all right? And I don't know if he thought I was, like, some actor who, like, walked around like I was a Jesus actor. So he's like, I'm going to, if I can get that guy, I'm going to get him all, you know what I mean? Anyways, this dude was militant. And he's like, yes, 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 but listen. And he starts talking to me about the Quran. He said, have you read Quran? I said, I read pieces. I haven't read the whole. He's like, read whole Quran. You will see it is the truth, all this stuff. He starts just going for me. And I'm being respectful. How many know I'm in his country outside of his shop? with just two teenage, like almost teenage girls with me that are on the trip. You know what I mean? We're just in a group. All right, this is not the time to be crazy, like whatever, you know. 
Like, it's a grand, you know what the Grand Bazaar is? It's a crowded place. Like, they could just, I could just get swept off and taken. You'd never see me again. No one would know where I went, all right? So it's kind of like that. I'm standing there, and he's trying to convince me. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool, whatever. I'm trying to ask him what his name is, what his family's name are, things like that. I'm just trying to make conversation. And I'm realizing this guy's not going to back down. So I'm like, okay, Lord, what do I do? This is crazy. I'm trying to get out of the conversation, you know, and I'm, like, putting it off on the ladies. I'm like, they really want to shop. They really want to shop. Like, they love shopping. And so, you know, I'm trying to, anyway, trying to use some cultural social norms to get out of this thing. They didn't care, but anyway. Long story short, he would not give up. And he's saying a lot of things. He's talking about the oceans and where they meet and don't touch and all that stuff. He's talking about, he's trying to prove the Quran to me, you know. And so I'm like just respectfully listening to him and all that stuff. And it's cool because we honor everyone. It's like no big deal. Not trying to pick a fight. And then he says, now Jesus, directly, he goes, now Jesus, he died. He did not raise again. And listen, I was peachy keen till right then, right then. I was... I was totally kosher. I was chill. I was the nicest dude in a cross scarf and a resurrection shirt you've ever met. Until he said that, something stood up inside of me. I I mean, I felt something. Like Caleb is like 115 pounds soaking wet. You know what I mean? I felt something huge stand up inside of me. And he goes, he repeats himself while I'm just standing there kind of fuming. He goes, he did die. He died. He did not rise again. Correct? looks me right in the eyes, and I said, listen, buddy, you are wrong about that. I was like, I'm not trying to argue with you, but that is not the truth. And he just goes back and forth. He's like trying to prove that he didn't die or that he didn't rise again. I'm like, oh, yes, he did. And I'm, like, getting heated, trying not to, but whatever. And he starts raising his voice, so I raise my voice. And he starts raising it a little louder, and I raise it a little louder. And we are in a shouting match. In the middle of the Grand Bazaar in, in Turkey, and I said, listen right now. I said, Jesus Christ died and rose from the grave for you, for that guy, for that guy, for every person in here. He's alive, seated at the right hand of God right now. And I'm like, like shaking, you know. I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. You know, moron. Just about this time, because this guy's about this tall. Just about this time, a very large man walks over and puts his head Right in my face, like right here, guys. He, he leans over the short guy, this tall guy, puts his head right in my face. And language barrier notwithstanding, he says, if I stand here and fight you for one hour, would that be okay? And it went way past, way over my head, you know. Like, we, I did not understand what he meant. I'm like, I don't want to fight you. I don't, like, I'm thinking, you're really big. I don't want to fight you. What he was saying was, I'm going to kick your butt. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat you up right now if you don't stop saying that. And the other guy's like, you know, go away, go away, go away. Anyway, I landed the plane somehow and got out alive. Amen. You know what I mean? (laughs) But listen, that's what I'm talking about. There's a supernatural boldness that just doesn't care to live as Christ, to die as gain, all right? I was not trying to be anything, all right? I was just yielding my tongue to the Holy Spirit. I could have shut my tongue. I could have walked away. I was in control of myself. Are you with me? You know, resurrection power requires boldness to preach. That's what Paul's talking about. He was being persecuted every single day. His life was on the line every single hour, all right? And you and I need to get with the program. I might shake the tree loose. I don't know. I can cut down our members real quick. I'll do it. I'm good. Jesus did it all the time. He shook the stick. Who really wants to follow? Who really wants this thing? All right? Come on. They were getting baptized back in the day, coming out of the water, and the Roman centurion were standing there getting their address so they could go ransack their house. 
And they knew it was going to happen. They still got baptized. That's resurrection power. That's an assurance of the truth that everything is on the line and I'm good with it. I'll, I'll sell everything. I'll do everything. Amen. The full gospel proves the resurrection. To me, this is just maybe why I told that story. To me, that story in that moment for me proves the resurrection power of Christ. Because I would have never done that. Just me, all right? Like, I'm, not, I don't, I'm scrappy, but, you know, <laughs> I was not trying to pick a fight. I did not need that. You know what I mean? I was just trying to shop and get home, you know? So that's what I'm saying to you. That might not be the best story for that example, but I felt like I should share it. I hope that's okay. So, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. We also want to let you know about our Vanguard Collective School of Supernatural Ministry launching this fall. For more information, head to vcssm.com, or for more resources like this, head to trptampa.com.